way here. We, we definitely had some of that. Uh, so I'm glad you're all here and uh, realize I'll probably have to turn my sprinklers back on like tomorrow or Tuesday, right? Uh, I don't think we're going to get that much, but we'll see. Never know. Uh, we're actually continuing uh, talking about uh, how do we fight the fear of missing out? And uh, I was asked last week after part one, uh, is uh, FOMO, is it ever a positive thing, right? And, and I said, well, hold that question because that's kind of where we're going with this because there is the point at which it's important. Uh, and it's important in that you have to decide between things, right? That there's... Uh, something that you know you ought not do, and there's things that you know you ought to do, and you'll always have to weigh them. And it's really important to do that. It's, it's why a lot of people kind of uh, uh, take out of context Jesus' words where he says, do not judge, and they stop there. You go, you're not supposed to judge, but, but that's silly because literally you're supposed to judge, right? You're supposed to say, this is good, that's bad, this is healthy, that's unhealthy, this is how I should spend my time, it's profitable, this is something I shouldn't be involved in because it's, it's not good for me or, or, or helpful. And so we're always going to have to, to make a decision. Just thinking about it this way this week. Uh, out on the roads. Have you ever been driving? I know you guys are from here, you know, right? Uh, Driving down the the highway and your lane stops. It slows down and then it stops, but the other lanes around you are just buzzing by, right? And depending on your personality, what you choose to do, right? I just sit there. It's okay. We all go in the same place. I'm not in a hurry. Yeah, I don't do that either, right? That one's going slightly faster, and I zoom into that lane. But if you're like me, then that's the lane that stops. So, okay, got to go back. Except there is definitely a time when the lane you're in is the lane you have to be in. Uh, I drove my son to the airport, to LAX, uh, first part of the summer, and... uh, 101 freeway going toward the airport, Sepulveda Boulevard, the right lane. Literally everyone on the freeway was in that same lane that I had to be in. And I thought, well, those lanes are moving much faster, but would it do me any good to change lanes, right? They're going faster, but they're not going the right way, right? I have to to make that choice. If you're in the lane for a reason, it's the only lane going where you're going, then you, you can't do something different. You don't feel like you're missing out, right? You don't think, wow, I really want to drive fast. My wife gets on me sometimes. She goes, well, why did you go this way, right? Because I didn't take the most direct route. And I go, well, I don't like sitting in traffic, so I'd rather go further but drive faster then shorter and go slow. Well, as long as we're going where we intend to go, I'm okay with that. But what doesn't make sense is when I need to go a certain direction and I go the opposite direction because there's no traffic. That doesn't even make sense, right? I might choose one path or another, but I'm definitely going to be going 
somewhere on purpose. You see, one way that we counter this fear, this anxiety of missing out, is by trusting that where you're going, the plan for your life, is more important. That you have a direction to your life. Right? If you have a goal, an end point, a, a direction, it's much easier to say, I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to worry about missing out on other things because I'm going somewhere. The reason we feel like we're missing out is because we don't know where we're going. We don't know where the end result is. And so if we trust where we're going and we trust the one who's given us that direction, right? God's plan for our life then. It's much easier to sit back and say, you know what? I'm okay going a little slower. I'm okay waiting in traffic. That's all right. As long as where I get is where I intend to go. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, this might be a familiar passage, but it definitely says something about this. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. And, and so really the intention is that if you trust God, if there is a goal, an end result, if you're going somewhere on purpose, not just, I'm just out, out for a Sunday drive. No, you're going somewhere. Then you can have confidence. You can trust the Lord. And it says there's a promise to this when you trust the Lord and you trust in his purpose for your life. It says he will make straight your path. And it's very much like that picture of my wife and I where I go, well, well, here's where we're going, but I don't want to sit in traffic. I'm going to go all this way and this way and go around. And here it's if I trust God, the path, not only will it be straight, it feels like there's, there's not going to be a lot of traffic. It may not be as fast as some people think it should, but it's going to be straight. And I'm going to go somewhere on purpose. And so I might say it this way. You cannot be missing out on what matters if you're doing God's plan. Right? If it's God's plan for your life, if you're doing what he's called you to do, you're not missing out. If you have recognized God's call in your life and he says, here's what you ought to be doing. You're not missing out on anything else. It doesn't feel like that at times, but that's reality because what God has promised for us is better. We do need to acknowledge the fact that there are choices. And when you say yes to some options, you will then be saying no to others, right? That's just reality. Fear of missing out is just another form of anxiety. Where does that anxiety come from? Well, at least in part from uncertainty, right? If you're uncertain about what comes next, there's that sense. Yet Jesus talked about anxiety. Uh, not that uh, uh, physiological idea of uncertainty, but just uncertainty and anxiety in general. And uh, this is recorded in Matthew chapter 6. This is still part of the Sermon on the Mount uh, starting in verse 25, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it, right? Clothes. 
Uh, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? And, and so kind of the, the whole context there is that there's a sense of uncertainty. Maybe I'm missing out on something, right? But if I trust God, I don't need to be anxious about it, knowing that he is providing. When you trust the creator, you don't need to worry. You don't need to be anxious. Since the fear of missing out can be strong, The fear of missing better options might be powerful. We need to be honest about what those might be. What things might we miss out on? Jesus said before someone builds a tower, doesn't he sit down to consider the costs? In fact, it is silly to decide to build something without considering how much it costs. Right? People get themselves into all kinds of trouble when they start a project without considering the time, the materials, the money, right? If you don't consider those things, you're going to get partway through and run out of one of those. And then you have unfinished projects. And so Jesus says, look, you need to count the cost. What what cost is he talking about? He says, look, if you're going to follow me, he says, you need to count the cost. We need to count the costs as we follow Jesus. So what are these costs? Well, there's, there's positive costs and there's, there's negative costs, right? There's things that we get, benefits and blessings. And then there's, there's the negative things that we choose not to do and things we don't participate in. Well, we need to be honest about that because too often in the church, what we do is we say, we need to follow Jesus. Yes, go team. And, and then we, we, we don't say, you know what, by doing this, there are some things that, that you probably are going to have to decide not to do. There's going to be places that you don't go anymore. There might very well be people you no longer spend time with. Right? There's going to be a cost to following Jesus. And it's only wise to consider what it might be. So if you follow Jesus, you will miss out on a few things. Okay. So I've got three of them here. Uh, so the consequence for sin is death, but that's not instant, right? That if you are a sinner, scripture says that you're going to be judged for your sin and the consequence is death, but that's not instant. And so there's definite examples in scripture of sinners. And, and you, you know this, of people that do evil things and seem to prosper. And it's always been that way. 
The book of Job gives the account of a faithful God fear, Job. And Job points it out. In fact, the book of Job is the oldest written book in the Bible, right? It, obviously, the accounts of uh, that Moses writes in the first five books occurred first, but he wrote them later. Uh, Job was probably written first. So all the way back in the life of Job, he recognized that, that when he looked around, there were people doing evil things and they were enjoying life. He noticed that, right? And so it's just kind of dishonest if we go, no, no, no. If you, if you do bad things, then bad things will happen and you're going to get punished right away. We need to be honest and say, you know, there's people that do bad things and get away with it for a time, not forever. Job pointed it out. This is uh, chapter 17, starting in verse seven. He says, why did the wicked live Reach old age, grow mighty in power. Their offspring are established in their presence and their descendants before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear and no rod of God is upon them. Right? It just seems, well, everything seems fine for them. Why is that the case? And you might consider others that are that way, right? You, you read the headlines and you're like, man, that's just evil. What's going on? And people seem to be doing really well. And maybe it's politicians. I, I can't believe that's what they're voting on. And, and they seem to be doing really well. They seem to have a lot of power and, and prestige. Maybe it's someone in, in the media, you know, music or movies or, or, or something like that, or athletes. And you're like, wow, they just, their lifestyle seems so counter to to what God says is important and they seem to be prospering, right? I can't believe they just signed a contract for millions and, and they're doing great, but the way they live their life, it, it's just, you know, degenerate. Yet the evildoer will prosper, but only for a time, not forever. Right? We might just be considering the next 10 years or 50 years or, or 80 years. I don't know. Some of you are pretty young and you probably live to be really old. And, and so you might be going, man, the next 90 years, 100 years. But even 100 years is a really short amount of time when you consider eternity. And so... When they prosper in this life, are they really considering what matters most? There's a reason Jesus says uh, that why would you gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul, right? They seem to have everything, but is that what really matters? This means that there is a point at which we follow God and we say no to other things, right? We have to decide so what are those things? Like I said, I have, I have three of them. I knew I was going to get there. There's three of them. All right? So if you follow Jesus, you will miss out on, first of all, activities that some find more fun. Okay? I don't know how else to say it. There are going to be things that people do that you and I know we ought not do and in their mind, they just think it is the best thing ever, right? And I don't know exactly what those might be, 
Maybe it's, it's drinking or partying, uh, you know, going to, going to Vegas, uh, whatever goes on there. I don't know. They don't talk about it, so I don't know. Um, it may be relationships that are unhealthy. It might be other activities that you have to, you had to turn down to be here today. Right? I know not a lot of picnics going on today, but sometimes there's things going on that you had to say no to, or I can't be there till later because you're here. Right? And you might very well then, when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to be a part of his community, I'm going to do what Hebrews says, not give up meeting together as some are the habit of doing, but we're going to meet together and encourage one another. By doing that, I'm going to have to say no to some things. All right? When you say no in some area, when you know it's what you ought not do, then you honor God. Is the idea that when Christians talk about heaven, that it's so far into the future. Right? There's, there's some people then that go, well, Okay, I hear you. I understand what you're saying. And someday I'll do that. But right now I'm going to live my life and do what I want. I'm, I'm young. They don't say it quite that way, that, but that's basically it. Right? Uh, I remember when I was uh, in college and I had family members that are like, they, they were surprised I wasn't doing all of those things. And I'm like, I don't care to do that, but they, but you're supposed to, right? When you're young, you're supposed to do those things. You're supposed to live wild. And I went, what are you talking about? But that's what they thought you were supposed to do. Apparently they gave me insight into their lives when they were young. There's some problems with that. You guys know what they are. First of all, you don't know if today isn't your last day on this earth. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. And I have sat next to too many grieving families to not understand that one clearly. In fact, uh, every year in August, I am reminded. This is the, the 10 year anniversary where... We had uh, the son of church members that he died on his 21st birthday. Traumatic for him and our, our church. Uh, he didn't wake up the last day of his 20th year and think, this is my last day. I won't have tomorrow. And he lived his life as if he had the rest of his life which he did. He just didn't know it was so short. Uh, it's not okay. I'll do that someday. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. And then I would say I, I don't uh, regret trusting Jesus. If, in fact, if anything, I regret not trusting Jesus sooner. Right, that if I had spent more time going to church when I was younger, I didn't go to church until I was in my 20s. 
that means for 20 years of my life, I missed out on the community of believers. I missed out on knowing Jesus. That's the only regret I have. Uh, The second one, if you follow Jesus, you will miss out on the prevailing worldview. I was trying not to say it in a negative way, (laughs) but the prevailing worldview is the worldview that's pushed uh, by popular culture, by the media, uh, and, and there's lots of aspects to it, so I don't have a lot of time to go into all of it, uh, but there's always going to be things that are pushed by the culture that you know are counter to God's word, counter to what it means to be God's chosen people. And there will be things that you have to say, yeah, I could do that. I could participate in that, even though it's part of the culture. And there are going to be things that you can't. There'll be things that you go, I can't be a part of that. And because you say, I can't be a part of that, the the response will be, well, there's nothing wrong with that. It's legal. Everybody does it. What's wrong with this? And maybe that's not the language they use, but I can even, I can still hear the voice of, of friends and family of mine when I was a fairly new Christian and there were things they were doing. And I said, no, thank you. I choose not to do that. And their response was, why? What's wrong with it? There's nothing wrong with it. It didn't take long to figure out that they weren't talking to me. They were talking to themselves. And convincing themselves there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. It's his problem. It's not my problem. There's always going to be those things that, that, that we can't do because it means some compromise, some capitulation. Instead, we have to remain faithful because God did. And then the, the third thing we would miss out on is if you follow Jesus you will miss out on priorities that are focused on self. And again, remember, I, I tried to not say it in a negative way, but, but I think this is one that very much a part of our culture is focused on self. It, it is very much, uh, you need to do what you feel comfortable doing, what you want to do. And, and so it's just, it's out there. There's not, not a way around it. This is just a statement of reality. That if the purpose for your life is to be happy, then you won't stand for anything that might be selfless. In uh, John's first letter, 1 John, his epistle, uh, chapter 2, verse 15, he says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And so there's this, this difference between the world, and, and you could put that in quotes, the world, right? Because that's that influence of culture and, and pressure to do anything counter to Scripture. So there's the world, and then there's the kingdom, right? The kingdom is when you are doing your best to obediently do what God has called you to do. And so you can't go, well, I I love the world. I'm in the world. It's great. It doesn't mean there aren't things you enjoy. 
right? Coffee, ice cream, baseball, football, I don't know, whatever you got, right? Those things are fine. That's not what it means to, to love the world. No, what it means to love the world is to be involved in things that you know you shouldn't do and to say, well, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. And so you then compromise. So, but it's not just to say that only Christians are selfless because we know that's not true. In fact, if that was true, there wouldn't be those uh, commercials on in the evenings uh, talking about, well, if you act today, you can provide a meal for a hungry puppy. Or for just 75 cents a day, you can feed, house, or air condition homeless pets. Or the one that I saw recently, and it was for dollars a day, you can symbolically adopt an elephant. By the way, I love cats and dogs and elephants, so I don't have an issue with that. And I realize who this, this really does pull on. By the way, not me, but it, it does pull on some people. And part of it, it's this idea that everything about me, it can't be me. I, I want to give something back and, and contribute. So there are things that we give up in order to follow Jesus. And then there are things that we gain, we benefit from, right? The uh, spiritual gifting and, and, and God's providential workings in our life, right? We benefit from these. First uh, Peter 4.10 is each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God, God's steward, sorry, is good steward of God's very grace. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So we get uh, blessing and riches from God. So if you follow God, what do you gain, right? The, the spiritual blessings. Uh, we talked last week, we mentioned the great commission that we've been commissioned and trusted and, and sent. We have a, a purpose to our life, a calling. So let's put all those together. And I, again, I have three of these. If you follow Jesus, you will gain, first of all, a God-given purpose for your life, right? All of that together to say you will have a purpose for your life. A reason for living. Peter wrote to the church and said, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Right? So you have to have a reason for it. You need to always be prepared to give it. You are here for a reason. And that reason is not life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But it's for the Lord. It's for his purpose in your life. Colossians 1.16, Paul wrote, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. All things, that's you too, created for him, for his purpose, for his honor and glory. And then uh, the second one, if you follow him, you will gain the community of believers, the church. I've mentioned this a couple of times already. And I can't overstate how important the church is. 
right? If you are a Christian, how important it is, right? Because you could move off in the middle of the desert in a, in a cabin all by yourself, never interact with anybody and study your Bible and have it memorized. But you are missing out on so much of the life of a Christian. Because there's, there's no such thing as a Christian in isolation like that, at least long term. If you want to go live by yourself for a short time, you're, you're allowed to do that. But there's a point at which you got to be involved in the community of Christ. Right? The things that we benefit from. The church supplies support and help with relationships, parenting, uh, encouragement, a place for learning and training. And you got to be a part of it. thinking about uh, that this week and then it, it's helpful that that today you can sign up for a community group you know how important that is to be a part of a smaller group a community that that you can be more intimately involved in uh, if I haven't mentioned this I, I'm in a community group in in Ontario uh, with Neil and Melinda's daughter and son-in-law they're in my group. And what that means is that when things are going on, I get, get you know, a couple of uh, messages at least every week, if not every day, going, here's what's going on, and here's how we're praying, and here's, you know, what's going on in the life of those in our group. Here's how we're supporting each other. And, oh, yeah, we're meeting on Thursday. And then when things are going on and, you know, Here's the challenge we're having this week. Can we bring you food? What, can we come over and visit? How can we pray for you? All of those things, how important that is. Because if your only interaction with the church is Sunday morning, as, as great as worship was, weren't they great today? That was nice. As great as that was, it wasn't great enough. I'm not saying you need to step it up. I'm just saying <laughs> it wasn't great enough if that's all you have. And, and this this isn't good enough. I'm not good enough. If that's all you have, if this is the only interaction you have with the church. It's not enough. You won't grow spiritually, right? The goal is to grow in faith and become like Jesus. Sunday morning isn't enough in and of itself. You need more interaction. And so if I can encourage you, if you, if you're not a part of a community group, you haven't been to this point, I would say do it. So that's my High horse, I'll step down and keep going. Romans 12, 4 and 5, for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual, individually members one of a num another, not a number, another. Uh, all of that is to say that each person has a unique gifting and calling and they fit perfectly into the community. Every one of you is here for a reason. And that reason then is to fit in with everyone else to do what God has called you to do within the church as the church does what it's called to do. It would be like if you're like, well, I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to be involved. It would be like putting the jigsaw puzzle together, like 500 pieces and everything's good. And there's a hole and you're like, where's the missing piece? Now, I don't know about you. That's a crumble it up and throw it away. 
But when it's there, it's beautiful. That's what we were going for. We need that missing piece. You got to step in and fill in where you fit. There's so many analogies that, that work with this. And since I did that one, I won't do any more. Just know that, that you have a responsibility to, to do what you've been called to do. Uh, the third one there, if you follow Jesus, you will gain eternal life. That should seem like the obvious one. Uh, that's why I put it last. Uh, it's, not, it's not the first thing, right? Because it's the one you think of, but it is there, right? We, we do within Christ as we grow in faith, eternity. In the span of eternity, I think we don't get it, right? In the span of eternity, we think this life, man, it's long. It's, it's, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta live while I'm here, right? And yet the length of eternity is so much longer than those 50, 80, 112 years that you might live. Eternity is so much longer. Let's work for something that, that lasts First John two seventeen, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever, right? Eternity. So I would encourage you to, to, to push in with the church, um, into a community group, uh, join a, a team and serve and participate that way. Uh, I love when I, I walk around here and I see someone and I go, wait, I don't think I've ever seen them do that job in the church before. And they're like, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm training. I'm like, yes, that's awesome. Cause that means they're doing something they haven't done before. Stepping in, filling in, being a part. I have some next steps for you today. Uh, consider the priorities uh, of my life. If they do not line up with God's, uh, it's time to make a change. And then uh, celebrate the blessings of my life in Jesus. And I added, uh, if you haven't, trust Jesus for the first time, right? If you haven't done that, then, then that's, today's the day to say, Lord, I'm here. I trust you. Help me to grow and understand what that means. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that you are gracious to us, that you sent your son to die on the cross, that we might believe and be saved, that uh, when there's stuff going on around us, and we're pulled in lots of diff different directions and we have to choose to do one thing and not another. Grant us wisdom, grant us insight to know what we ought to do and ought not do. Most of all, that we could honor you with our lives. We thank you for the blessings that you have given us. I thank you specifically this morning for church, for this church. I thank you for what that means for so many of us. And uh, even as, as Tyler said, uh, for 10 years, he's been in a group, how important that is. That we'd under, all understand that uh, the purpose of church is that we can lean on each other, support each other, that we would encourage one another. Father, that's, that's how we go, get through life. We trust you and we lean on each other. Help us to do that. We thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.